0: Hello and welcome to the Conscious Living Podcast in partnership with The Muslim Vibe, which is a not-for-profit online magazine that seeks to inform, inspire and empower young Muslims in the West. I'm your host, Zaini Pindwani, osteopath, fellow of applied functional science, functional medicine enthusiast and naturopath. I'm also the director of 12th Health, which is a holistic integrated health clinic that aims to empower you towards better health. I believe that health is more than just the absence of disease, it is a journey of well-being that allows you to fulfil your potential. With these podcasts, I aim to show that health can be improved from a variety of lifestyle philosophies and habits. I'm going to be speaking to a diverse range of fascinating and exciting people from the grassroots of our communities, who spend each and every day inspiring us to be present, stay healthy and fulfil our potentials. Through these conversations, we will share some simple, practical tools that can enable us to transform the way we live our lives. I believe that we all have a purpose. And if we are healthier, we can experience more. And if we can experience more, we can live truly. Our guest today is Prabhashyani, uh, a health coach and nutritionist that uses the principles of functional medicine and specializes in nutrigenomics, which we'll talk about more about. Uh, her journey started when she studied about health and wellness in 2006 after being diagnosed with mouth cancer. And through this experience, she fully understands the importance of health and living a balanced lifestyle. Her views are that with today's busy lives, it's all too easy to take our health for granted until something goes wrong. Uh, Regaining lost health is harder than preventing ill health in the first place. But it's not impossible, which we're going to talk about as well. With the right nutrition and lifestyle interventions that are tailored for you, it is absolutely possible to have good health and vitality. She believes it's never too late to start your journey to optimal health. Prabha has a passion for health and educating people on how they can live optimal health. She believes that there is much more to learn, and she's committed to continuously professionally developing herself and in her education. Um, she's qualified as a health coach, a wellness coach. She's a diet and nutritional advisor. Um, she's also an integrated nutritional health coach. And she's also completed Institutional Functional Medicine's Applied Functional Medicine in Clinical Practice and looking to do more. Welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> um So, Prabha, I just wanted to start, actually, when you said... you got diagnosed with mouth cancer in 2006 was it yes um how was that experience tell us a little bit more about that and and how that then changed your life and what you're doing before then and now as well
1: yeah so I mean obviously it came as a big shock because Mm. um I was just uh, like a few weeks shy of my 32nd birthday when I got the diagnosis and traditionally Um, you know, mouth cancer is something that's normally seen in older people. So Mm -hmm. most of my consultants patients were over 60. Um, However, it is Mm. increasing in the younger, in younger people. Um, So I was really baffled, because I didn't have any of the typical risk factors. You know, normally the risk factors for that kind of disease are smoking, Mm -hmm. um, heavy drinking, um you know chewing tobacco didn't do any of those <laughs> so um you know I, I became very curious um as to why i had developed this particular cancer i you know in, in terms of getting cancer itself i i guess i wasn't i wasn't in that headspace space of my, why me because let's face it the statistics are what one in 2 now mm. so you know yeah. the odds aren't one in 2 yeah So that wasn't the issue for me. For me, it was like, why that one? You know, why mouse cancer over all cancers? Um, So that's where I started to really look at, you know, how did this happen? And so I I went to um, see a nutritional therapist. So
0: that's interesting. You actually looked at the cause of why you were getting Mm. that rather than what we... What we tend to do is is to just go up and say, okay, I'm getting symptoms here. I need to just suppress the symptoms. Yeah. So you just mentioned that you actually went to see a nutritionist. Did you go to see a nutritionist first? Yes. Or, okay, so...
1: so. After, as soon as I got my diagnosis, actually, it was a. I was working in the corporate world at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, a client of ours was over from America, and she'd also become a very good friend of mine. But she was very much into holistic wellness and well-being and all of that kind of thing. So she um, said to me, "Right, you're you're coming with me after we finished <laughs> here." And she took me over to this clinic in Central London because mm-hmm. we were in Central London at the time. Got me the details of this nutritional therapist that she always when she's over here in this country Mm -hmm. and she said you must go and see him before you do anything before any treatment before anything so I did Um, and I mean his advice was you know he couldn't obviously can't claim to cure cancer so his advice was you know, follow the treatment plans that your consultants have for you. And then when that's done, then come and see me and we can look at rebuilding your body and making sure that you're in the best position so it doesn't come back. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did, effectively. Um, I kind of, you know, I had surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thankfully, I didn't need any other treatment. And then after I had got over that, I went back to see him, had blood tests, you know, had uh, various assessments done to look at my nutrient status. And he was the first one who really educated me on nutrition.
0: So this is the first step. So education on nutrition and yeah. how it can be such a good thing for our bodies. I, it's the building blocks of our bodies. It's yes. what we take in that makes our bodies function every day. Yeah. Um, can you give any examples of um, things that we can understand about it being a building block, how it actually Functions in its in its in the body itself. So, for example, hormonal balance or mm. sugar balance and things like that. Can you give any examples of that?
1: So, ultimately, are so we are just cells. Mm. That's all we are. We are trillions of cells put together in different ways: skin cells, liver cells, you know, whatever different types of cells, all put together, and that's what makes us. But each and every one of those cells relies on nutrients to function, and they all these cells are constantly communicating, mm. and unless they have the right nutrients at optimum levels then they can't communicate well and that's where disease starts to happen is it's miscommunication miscommunication
0: yeah that yeah. keeps
1: building and building and then ultimately what we end up with a diagnosis yeah so
0: so it's not something that happens just all no, of a sudden. it doesn't happen It's overnight. something that takes time and takes um, process over, over a period of time. So like yeah. you were saying, you're in the corporate world, you're working, didn't think that anything was going to happen. But something maybe in your nutrition might have been an issue that kind of builds up to a certain point i know there are other areas um stress um emotional that was a big one (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. so that that can definitely be part and parcel of it do these other areas like stress lack of exercise um sleep deprivation you know relationships breaking down do they have an impact on even the nutritional side or how they even if you're having a great diet but these things are happening do they also affect those miscommunications that happen inside of your,
1: in your body. Definitely. So you can be eating the most perfect diet on paper, you know, Mm. but if you are stressed and you are eating in a stress state, then you will not be getting the benefits of Mm. that perfect diet. Because when you're in a stress state, your digestive system just shuts down. You know, its priority is not to digest your food. Its priority is in, in your sort of um ancient you know paleolithic brain you know caveman style idea of running away from a lion yeah exactly
0: that you don't need your gut when you're running away from a lion
1: you know the last thing you need to do is stop for a, you know a number two when when if you've got to get away from a (laughs) a saber-toothed tiger you know (laughs) so that's why you know this is we're hardwired like this Mm. we haven't evolved enough to to know that today's stress is not a saber-toothed tiger you know, okay. and so your body still functions in that way. It shuts mm. down the digestive process. It shuts down certain hormones. It you know ramps up other hormones. You know, it's so the knock-on effect kind of, of stress, yeah. The body. Mm. It's massive, and if we are experiencing stress on a chronic basis, so that drip drip effect every single day, that's the worst type. We mm. need a little bit of stress in our lives, mm. but it should be short and sharp and then you know not regular not and regular no
0: not regular and constant so you went to this nutritionist um you obviously had to go through that means of having the surgery and, and having those conventional type approaches if you like mm-hmm. um and then he took some blood tests and and he spoke to you and said probably you need to change your your, your way of living your nutritional food yeah, uh, as a whole absolutely. so when you did that when you had that that information come to you, what's the first thing that kind of crosses your mind? Because a lot of my patients, I tell them about nutrition and even my family. Forget my patients, my mm-hmm. family and friends. I just tell them, look, shouldn't be eating that type of food or, you know, let's try ch- and change the diet as a whole. The first thing that crosses your mind is, ah, oh, this is taking ages or I really want to have the food that I love. And why are you stopping me from having that kind of food? And a lot of people who have gone through illnesses um, like yourself or even Just know that nutrition will have a big impact on them. Can't start that journey because they just feel it's too hard and it's not an immediate effect. Is that something that's true? What's your view on that, really? So,
1: look, we as society have got too used to this instant gratification kind of mindset, Mm. which is why people find it hard with nutrition because you're not, you know, it's not like a medication where you take a paracetamol, your headache goes away. You know, Mm -hmm. it takes longer to see the benefits, Mm -hmm. but those benefits are absolutely worth it in the long run because that means that you're going to live longer, you're going to live better. Because let's face it, what's the point of living longer if you're going to live in chronic pain or with chronic disabilities or diseases or, you know, something that's going to really impact the the quality Mm -hmm. of your life? That's a
0: huge one, actually. That's a really huge one. Just living with chronic pain for 50 or 23, 25 years compared to being able to come over that and living a much more prosperous and like we say in this podcast, conscious living, Mm. which is what the name of the podcast is. You're much more able to live and experience more in your life um, rather than just trying to get by every day.
1: You know, there's. I heard this saying a long time ago and I really like it. Nothing tastes as good as healthy feels.
0: Nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. because. So, so does that ring with you in terms of, okay, that must have been a big change for you in terms of having to change your nutritional, your lifestyle, your diet and lifestyle, Um now having that was in 2006 you said it's 2019 now so it's been some time is that wrong true with you and is that why you've continuously now trying to tell your patients to do exactly the same thing
1: absolutely so when I think back to how I used to feel prior to that diagnosis Mm -hmm. I thought you know I thought I was pretty healthy because I was comparing myself to everyone else around me Mm. And I thought feeling tired every day when you got home from work was normal. I thought feeling not so great was normal because I was, you know, everyone's working hard. You're stressed out. So that's just the norm, right? Everyone's feeling that way. Mm. But it's not. Because when you feel good, when you have vitality, when you have tons of energy, you realize, oh, my God, I spent 31 and a bit years not feeling optimally healthy, even though I thought I was. So mm. that's when you realise that hang on a minute, <laughs> I yeah. was I was definitely missing a trick. Missing you know? a trick. Yeah.
0: It's, that that those words um, are very powerful. Energy. Um, yeah. you know waking up in the morning how many of us wake up in the morning and just feel like we can't get out of bed in the morning yeah. um, and just rush to work actually it reminds me of a, a, a blog post I just posted on because Brexit I named it it's the brekkie debate yeah. I, are you having breakfast are you not having breakfast is a very common thing about breakfast and mm. um, rushing in the morning, you're waking up and you're just trying to get to work, you're missing the train and it's a cup of coffee and a croissant. Um, or it's uh, no breakfast at all. Or it's one of those yeah. sugary cereals that we, yeah. we tend to have. Um, so we'll come to breakfast in, probably in a minute. And yeah. also da- types of dietary changes. But just running on that point, you notice that you had so much more energy and yeah. so much more um, um, reward from changing your diet. Um, what was the the kind of tipping point in terms of your motivation to make that change i know you talk about energy you talk about obviously living long you had just had gone through cancer and obviously probably your mindset's thinking i've just gone i don't want that to come back again yeah. i'm not sure this is going to make is it going to make a difference or not what was that driving point was it something someone said to you a nutritionist was it something that was in your mindset um that made that that real transition to say no nope, I'm going to go and do this now.
1: Yeah, so it was absolutely um, the nutritionist. Um, but also, when you've had a diagnosis like that, it's a pretty big motivator. Of course, yeah, <laughs> um, I can imagine. You know, I mean, for some people, for others, maybe not. But for me, it was, you know, for me, it was like, I definitely want life to go on for a lot longer. Mm. I'm not done yet. So wow. you know, I
0: Yeah, just it just that is powerful in yeah. itself, yeah. You
1: know, and so I need to figure out what I need to do, you know, mm. and like you said, it's not just nutrition. I had to figure out in my life, you know, what my purpose was and I realised I didn't have one. Wow. Um yeah. and a lot that's of people why you have that feeling. exactly. Don't they? And mm. there are so many people out there who don't feel they have a purpose and you mm. must have a purpose. It doesn't necessarily have to be in your job, but you know, you have to have a purpose
0: mm.
1: in life and so whatever it is find it because and that's what nutrition became for me it became a purpose because mm. i found you know that i loved the subject although it started as a journey to help myself you know it it became um, a mission for me to be able to help others to mm hopefully prevent getting into that situation in the first place. But even if people are in that situation, to show them that you can come out the other end much better and stronger.
0: Sure. So... Actually, um, I remember actually meeting you for the first time. Um, it was at a business networking event, if I'm not mistaken. That was where we, we first met. Um, and you had given a pitch, actually, at that time about doing some genetic testing mm. on yourself. And this may come to that nutrigenomics that we talked about. That you, said. Many people probably don't know what that is and um, what kind of tests they could do from a nutritional side of the coin to give you uh, evidence to show that this is the things you need to change. And these are the things that you can stick with. Mm-hmm. So some people feel like nutrition, diet, and we will come on to this is a big thing about, oh, I've got to make a massive change, a dietary change, and I've got to change everything that's in my cupboard completely. Um, coming from an Indian-Asian background, even our herbs and spices, and you think, oh, I'm going to go to a um, avocado and, and, <laughs> and salad dish, right? <laughs> yeah. But actually, some of those have great qualities oh, yeah. and, and fantastic qualities. But um, tell us a little bit about this, um, this genetics yeah. side of the coin, that we can figure out things about our body that maybe nowadays, or back in the past, we couldn't figure out, and nowadays with the technology and things we can.
1: So genetics is a wonderful tool. That's all it is. It's just another tool. Um, you know, as a, as a nutritionist, we have, you know, nutritionists, we have access to various different types of testing that can really help us um, get to the core of what's going on with someone. Um, it's not always necessary because sometimes it's quite obvious what we need to do without having any tests done. That's um, really
0: important, actually. Sometimes we, we just know naturally what, what we're doing is, is wrong. Yeah. And maybe we have to come out of that a little bit. And, yeah. and that comes down to the motivation and the mindfulness. But yeah, yeah carry on. Yeah. on. Quite-
1: and, and just going back to that, that we know what we have to do. You know, as human beings, it's, you know, intuitively we know what we should be eating and what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. Intuitively. That's how the human race survived. Uh, Our ancestors didn't have Google or someone telling them what to do. They knew intuitively that they should eat this and stay away from this, you know, and we've lost that. There's so much noise around us that we've stopped tuning in. Or when our body starts giving us a message to say, hang on a minute, you're doing something wrong. And that's called a symptom. Mm hmm. We in a sh- we straight away will put in a, a you know painkiller or a, or a drug to just cut out that that message and symptoms are your body's way of communicating with you to say you need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking at what's going on, we just stick in a drug and just switch off that communication. And I'm not saying drugs are bad; they're absolutely necessary needed sometimes. At
0: points, but yeah,
1: in acute care in triage, mm-hmm. you know, needed, but we've become far too dependent on them at, you know, the first sign of a bit of pain, we'll take a painkiller instead of saying, okay, hang on a minute, why have I got that pain? Why have I got a headache? Mm-hmm. Did I sleep enough yesterday? Have I drunk enough water today? You know, what did I eat? You know, we just don't ask those questions. And that's what we need to be going back to.
0: And is does that come under that genetic side of it? Or is this something that we can just start with? Because all this testing is sometimes, and, and the reason why I brought it up is because a lot of people feel like, oh, I need to do this, this extra test, if you like, or um, it's and, and this is something, you know, personally, I felt the first time and this test can be fantastic. And I'm not going to say it's not, but we feel like it's a cost implication potentially. Mm. Um, what am I really going to get out of it? Is it for particular people that have particular illnesses and not just the general masses that actually have intuitively lost what they should be feeling to yeah. eat, but they can re- recover that by yeah. themselves? Yeah, is that would that ring, ring true?
1: Definitely. And so I'd say everyone can start making improvements, you know, right now. Mm. You know, you don't need a genetic test to start making improvements. What Where genetic testing comes in and where it can be useful is it can tell us how your unique body may be functioning. And your genes are not the be-all and end-all in terms of your outcome. You know, just because you have a particular gene... It doesn't mean that you're going to get something or, you know, there are, I mean, there are some genes that are what we call high-impact genes, you know, like the BRCA gene for breast cancer and things like that. But a lot of the genes we can influence through the way we live, you know, food, movement, stress reduction, you know, all of these things will can switch genes on and off, turn them down, whether they're listening, turn them up, whether they're listening, you know, so... It all boils down to lifestyle. Knowing what particular gene snips, what we call snips, you have, can help us sort of fast track certain ways of eating or, or lifestyles. Um, but also, we'd look at the symptoms. It's not just about the genes on a piece of paper. We'd be looking at how that's presenting in that person's life right now. Mm-hmm. You know, because you could have a a, a gene snip for, um, for example, uh, not. Um, metabolising carbohydrates very well that could put you at risk of diabetes but if that person hasn't got diabetes and they're not eating you know highly refined carbohydrates and lots of sugar then that gene's not going to be an issue but if that person is having a lifestyle where they're eating lots of refined carbs refined sugar you know not eating enough fibre and things like that then that gene could become an issue Mm. so
0: yeah, no, that's interesting because that gives us a, a better picture, if you like. Mm. But you just mentioned that refined carbohydrates, refined um, sugars as well, which we know are detrimental to our health in some ways. So again, it comes back to that intuitive yeah. knowing how. But obviously that genetic testing can give us more evidence to so fast track you towards that. On that basis, though, we come down to this, this question about diets. Uh, it's the reason why I haven't maybe slipped it in a couple of times the word diet, mm-hmm. but I haven't slipped it in too much. I yeah. try to stick around food and yeah. and medicine. But whenever we say diet, it's all it goes back to the diet coke uh, yes. and the and the diet of you know let's not have any carbohydrates at all, uh, and, and we'll lose weight really quickly, yeah. or let's just be bulking up on protein and I can get big muscles. So these fads that we have, um, how do we get over them? And what is the general picture of a good nutrition in your body and a general diet, if you like, that we should be focusing on that sometimes is getting lost by advertisements Mm -hmm. on different dietary um, protocols, if you like?
1: Yeah. So diets always, you know, there's always something, you know, you know, at the moment, I think the ketogenic Movement is, is, you know, quite big and everyone's saying, oh, you need to be keto to to be healthy. Well, yeah, maybe some people will do well on that kind of lifestyle. But if you've got certain genetics nips that doesn't handle fats very well, then actually a ketogenic diet is going to be really bad for you. Mm -hmm. So this is, again, that bio individuality that comes in. You know, we're all different. And so one diet might work for someone, but it won't work for everyone. And that's why the diet industry is so big because people follow these diets because they've seen someone else get results and then it doesn't work for them or well, it does for a little while and then you know, they go back to how they were and then they've got to do it again or try mm-hmm. something different. Mm-hmm. So I think eating should be less about what it's called. you know. Instead, you need to just find what works for you Nice. Eating than, should yeah. be
0: not about what it's called, but what is works for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Forget the labels. Mm. You know, I'm. You know, people always ask me like, oh, what you know, I what, what what diet do you follow? What are you? Are you vegan? Are you what? What are you? I said, I'm not anything. I just eat what I feel is good for me. You know, mainly I'm vegetarian. I eat some fish. I eat a bit of eggs. That's well, I feel good on, you know, as long as I'm getting lots of vegetables. <laughs>
0: Is that important, that feeling, what do you feel good on? You know, that, that's, the, yeah. that's the intuitive yes. nature of your body. If yeah. you feel great having a particular um, healthy lifestyle where you, as long as you're getting all your nutritional yeah. um, uh, value in it, and you feel good on that and you're not deficient in anything. Yeah, that's great, that that works for you and yeah. that works for your diet and I know there are people who go vegan, there are people who go paleo there are people who are vegetarian um, there are people who um, have different other other styles of diets but some of them they feel great on and some of them they don't feel no, great on exactly. and it's just about how their body's reacting to, yeah. to their nutritional demands and what they need and require I mean, at our clinic um, we treat athletes as well, so their type of diet will be mm-hmm. very different to the corporate worker who's on the desk all day yes. Um it's, it's got two different spectrums there so and
1: this is the other thing as well you know your diets or the way you eat may adapt through your lifetime because what you're doing now may That's not be what you're doing in the future mm. as you age you know things change you know so thing you have you have Does to that adapt. happen
0: naturally anyway Does that happen naturally? We we go to um, a senior side of the Mm -hmm. spectrum of of, of people and we've got our children and infants as well. And we do see that infant stage is very different and the senior stage is very different. Okay, we have a little bit of a bulk in the middle which might be very similar. Mm -hmm. Um, But those two ends of the spectrum we can see naturally we'll change, we start eating less yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and we get accustomed to certain types of food. I remember my grandfather, my late grandfather, just being accustomed to certain types of food because they have eaten that for yeah. a long time. So if we have that influence of nutrition in our lifestyle, even in the earlier years, would it translate to even having a good lifestyle in the later years? Because we our, our, our taste buds and, and our ability to take certain foods... Already is established, if you like, and it already changes over time depending on what our needs are mm. and our amounts are. They don't. Seniors may not do very much in terms of exercise as much as someone in their thirties or twenty late twenties might do. So it's, it's very different in that spectrum as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the thing. You've got to be fluid in in lifestyle in terms of you've got to you've got to look at where am I right now? What do I? What does my body need right now? and that's what you've got to address basically and yeah. it's really important obviously with kids to give them the good foundations because i think with children it's really important to get it right because unless you expose them to a variety of foods when they're young they're going to struggle as they get older and that's another key is getting a variety. We all need to get a variety into our diets. We become, become creatures of habit and mm. we tend to stick to the same foods day in, day out. You know, we get used to cooking the same things day in, day out. And so we're not getting that variety. And the, when, I, when I say variety, I mean, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, we need different types of cuisine or, you know, it's just, the, you know, the different types of fruits and vegetables in our diet because that's where our nutrients come from, mostly. Mm -hmm. And so you need to have that variety because if you're only eating carrots, peas, potatoes every day, then you're limiting yourself on the number of nutrients you're getting Mm. because all fruits and veggies have different nutrients.
0: Different nutrients, yeah, 100%, and all the different colours as well all have those different uh, types of nutrients that we want to get into our body. Um, One thing we find difficult on those on that spectrum actually about variety and about food in general is within our lifestyles now and even within our supermarkets, um, hospitals, yeah, um, surgeries, uh, places that we normally go for health, mm-hmm. we don't really have a focus on food. There are some places that do and there are some really good places that do um, but generally we don't really have much focus on food and nutrition. Um, And so when we talk about having a variety of different fruits and vegetables, and especially for us to improve and get better of our illness or something like that, um, food hasn't been termed as the best medicine, if you like. Whereas from what I can see in, in your lifestyle and what you've gone through, food has literally been your best source of medicine so far especially getting over what you got over and now moving through to what you're doing every day which is treating people with food which has no side effects (laughs) pretty much none unless there's some other drug interactions but generally speaking none and also whatever you're having the only problem you could have is you could dislike the food i.e the taste of the food but you've got so many different recipes nowadays different ideas different ways of cooking things i remember the first time i tried an avocado because you know it's got the health thing benefit to it and i thought wow this is really plain and then i mixed it with things avocado and banana didn't taste too bad on on my toast in the morning to Mm -hmm. start off with my brown bread toast in the morning um different different types of food can be made into different ways but i think the point here is about food as being the real the real medicine Mm -hmm. um and we know it is because even our drugs they come from food if you like they come from plants or herbs as well so all of these things play a big role in terms of how our bodies can digest and also gain the right nutrients and value from these types of food what's our view now of, of food being really should be looked at as medicine for us as the general people. And I'm not talking about um, bashing industries here at all or or different hospitals and they do all the work they can do and they work hard. Um, a lot of people have this big thing about NHS personally for me, NHS, and we're not going to go into that argument, but NHS has been a fabulous thing for us. It's the only thing is the way and the system of approach to health may need some Some changes, some development even. Um, And so food as being a medicine, just that statement as it is, is is something we need to think about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you, the NHS is fantastic. And, you know, when you need them, they do a sterling job. But don't forget, the NHS was designed back in an era where it was designed for that time, And it hasn't evolved to meet the needs of today's society, unfortunately. And that's Mm -hmm. where it's struggling. And the reason why it is struggling is because not enough attention goes on prevention. We're firefighting constantly. And this Mm -hmm. is where we have to switch our mindset. Mm -hmm. Prevention is where we're going to make an impact. And prevention starts with food. Food, lifestyle, yeah. exercise, all of that, but predominantly food. We are, we are definitely overfed and undernourished in the West. And what I mean by that is we do not have a problem with getting calories in, in this country. I think you'll probably agree with that. You know, looking at our obesity rates, you know, we know there's no issue with people getting calories. Yeah. But we do have an issue with people getting nutrients.
0: That's good. That's interesting. We don't have an issue with calories. We're getting calories. We have an issue with people getting the right nutrients um, and getting that into the into their diet. And that's where um, where I see within within our clinic and within people that I see my family and friends as well. Um, we struggle with the fact that we're walking down the aisle in a supermarket what looks healthy can be calorifically based and giving me the calories that I need, potentially, but nutrient depleted. Mm -hmm. And even today we talk about, and I remember meeting you the first time as well, we talked about um, our fruits and vegetables as well, not the way they're grown and the way they're they're brought to us, um, nutrient depleted. The only thing I would say is, a lot of the time when my patients or family and friends um, hear me talk about these kind of things, they feel like, where am I going to get this stuff from then? Mm. If I can't even have it from my good nutrients, from my fruits and vegetables, is there another source that I can add on to that? Um, or do I need to eat more of it? And what's, what's, the, what's the nutrients that I need from it? How do I gain that? Is there anything extra we could do to, to do that, to help us with that?
1: Yeah, so absolutely. Um, so first and foremost, your Foundation has to be the food you eat, yeah? Yes, the food is depleted, no doubt about that. But we still need to eat fresh fruit and veg because we get fibre from there. There's lots of other phytonutrients that fruits and veg have that, you know, we can't necessarily get from elsewhere. We just need to eat more of them. So, you know, we used to be told five a day, but you know, in the old days. That campaign was actually... Put together because it was catchy. Give me five, you know. But actually, in reality, in other countries, they've shifted it upwards. Even the NHS, I believe, is starting to shift that that intake upwards now. But I think need... in
0: America, it's a bit more, is it? Yeah. Eight or nine or something. Yeah,
1: um, between nine and twelve.
0: Nine and twelve.
1: Nine and twelve. <laughs> yeah, nine mm-hmm. and twelve portions of fruit and vegetables. Now that's a and, lot.
0: And of that though, a lot of people feel I've had my five fruits today, only, and that's all they've had. They've had five fruits. The vegetable side of the yeah. point is something that we've neglected more of.
1: Definitely, and you definitely need that. It needs to be more veg than fruit. So you know, if you're having, you know, seven piece portions, then t- only two of them them should be fruit. The rest should be vegetables.
0: Wow and two, and the rest will be vegetables. I think we're the other way around. I think we have a lot more, if we go down the five-a-day perspective, yeah. I hear a lot of people say, well, I've had my, my banana, my apple, my orange, and my um, berries this morning. Yeah. Oh, I'm just having one carrot as well. Yeah. So we, we flipped it around, I yeah. think, um, yeah. probably because of the sugary taste yes, of exactly. fruits compared to exactly. compared to vegetables. Um, um, but we, did, we were talking about that nutrient nutrient Yeah, so, so... Yeah, so if you're getting your, your base level of good food, the 7, 8, 9, 12 a day, mostly being vegetables, having all the different variety of colours. But we still feel maybe there might be some nutrient depletion in in that as well. Yeah,
1: there will be. So it's it's, it's hard to get optimum levels. Now, this is the key, is optimum levels of nutrients. Because the RDAs that the government sets out are very they're like your poverty line of nutrition.
0: And just for, for the audience, the idea is recommended daily, daily allow- allowance, yeah. which yeah. you will see on the back of your foods yeah. uh, all, over, yeah. all over in the markets exactly, and yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, and so that is the recommended amount that you need to prevent dis- deficiency diseases basically so you know things like scurvy and rickets and stuff like that now we are actually seeing a comeback in rickets um but that's another that's another story um but what i'm talking about is optimum levels of nutrition and optimum levels are what you need to thrive not just survive because who wants to just survive you know i i certainly don't i want to thrive have that abundance of energy so that I can mm. do what I want to do. Mm. And so to get the optimum nutrients, we need to look at um, plugging those holes, basically. And where that that's where supplementation can play a role. So supplementation is not a replacement for a healthy diet. You can't eat crap, excuse my language, and then expect to take a supplement and be healthy. It doesn't work like that. You need to eat that balanced diet you need those fruits and veg and then you take a supplement to plug the gaps on things that may have been missing in that diet yeah,
0: instead of having a cheeseburger and chips and then yes. saying oh i just have a supplement as well yeah it doesn't, like doesn't work like that no
1: so yeah and a good quality supplement it's got to be not one of these you know high street supermarket things because mm. you know it's not necessarily that you you get what you pay for but you definitely won't get what you don't pay for
0: okay, okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> interesting um so what i'll do is uh, on the show notes we will put a plug for um where you can maybe get these good supplementations from and also put um Barbara's website there as well she's got some really good recipes on there as well um talking about recipes yes. um any kind of ideas that you can give on on this podcast now for people maybe something simple and quick that gets all those nutrient levels up to scratch something that maybe people haven't haven't had before or even they have had before and it's quite simple um, and easy to do
1: so soups soups are a brilliant way of getting yeah Yeah. of getting lots of veggies into the diet and it's you know they're simple you just whack them all in a pot you know and they're good for the end of the week when there's things in the fridge that you might think oh if it doesn't get used up it's gonna have to go in the bin so again good for saving money Reducing food waste, you know, make a batch of soup, freeze it in portion sizes to make your life easier, and then there you go. you've got ready meals that you made, ready to go, you know, and you can pack them with nutrients, you know you can get so many vegetables in there, you know you can get some good fats in there, you can get some herbs and spices in there that are quite you know herbs and spices are brilliant they have great qualities and benefits for health so and just experiment you know mm. this is the other thing people need to learn to go back to doing is experimenting and we don't oft, we don't always have to follow recipes
0: yeah, that's, just, that's interesting. Just, I, I know my wife, for example, um, uh, we always have this little discussion where she'll pull out the recipe book and if she's missed out one herb out of the whole list, which is not, which is fine, she'll be like, but it, it doesn't taste very good. It'll it yeah. mess up the taste. But actually, um, we've come to this term now. She said that a mistake is actually just a new recipe. Yeah. So <laughs> she's exactly. made a new recipe without that herb, if you like. Exactly. Um, so, you yeah, know, that's really important. I've started doing that and just like kind of messing around a little bit and saying, okay, well, does a carrot, an apple, and um, what was the other thing I put in the other day? Um, A sweet potato go together in a soup. And the the apple gave it a little bit of a sweet taste. And actually, and and so did the sweet potato. And it tasted quite nice.
1: I always put an apple in my veggie soup.
0: There we go. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. So definitely mess around with it and and mix things up. And also soups are great for time. Yes. Because you could just pop it in, in the water, go off and do whatever you want and let it just boil over. Yep. Essentially, that's, yeah, that's all exactly. you're looking do Exactly. And then add some together.
1: protein in, you, some lentils, some, you know, beans. You know, if you're a meat eater, you can add some chicken or whatever in there. So, you know, that makes it more substantial. Um, On that
0: note, a lot of people say soups aren't filling. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it just doesn't fill me up. Is it because we haven't added the right variety of things in and that's why we're feeling that a lot of us say and I I know my parents for one they say we need to have the we need to have a bread with it or something we need to have Mm. something carb-y a potato or something that you know makes us feel full yeah if you like um what what is that is that something that's actually nutrient that we've lost the nutrient area that we need to look at or is it just habitual it's habitual yeah it's just
1: something that we've got used to where we feel we have to have bread with it or we have to have something with it you know <laughs> otherwise it's, it's just not a meal yeah okay. it's not a meal um but if you are putting lentils in there or you know, chickpeas in there or it's it's substantial you know and it should fill you up mm. so
0: and so the, the reason why I asked that was habitual is because um a lot of psychological baggage can mm. influence food and recipes and making things yeah so you know the typical um, got dumped by my boyfriend and now I'm having ice cream tub yes. and I'm sitting watching TV yeah. in my bathrobe or something like that yeah. is the typical psychological baggage that comes in with food and, and having a big full tub of ice cream yeah. um, and even making things, even having the, the feeling of I want to actually cook something today I want and cooking is a big thing, obviously we have to get used to cooking again yeah. um, and a lot of us feel that, I haven't got time or there's too much going on, I'm too stressed out, I just need to grab something and go. Um, And so they're asking for the quick recipes, but actually it's not even the quick recipes, even if they are 15 minutes or 10 minute recipes, it still won't be something you want to get on with because there's just too much going on. Yeah. So um, emotional baggage and psychology or psychological situation and stress influences even cooking. to that extent yeah um so yeah just something to add I don't know if there's anything you want to add on that but
1: and often with clients um the first thing we will do is is talk about their where they are in terms of their headspace what's going on because before we can start fixing anything physical we have to get their mindset right because if we don't tackle that first then they will fall at the first hurdle
0: so that's interesting. So you don't go in with food straight away. You're, you're No, finding not out with everyone. You're no. finding out what's their mindset to food or what's, what's going on in their life as well. Yep. That might be going to be influencing that first step anyway.
1: And I can tell you, I'd probably say maybe 50 to 60 percent of my clients. That's more than half. More than half, I would say, there's other stuff. We don't even get to the food until maybe the second or third consultation because there is other stuff that we've just un- you know, uncovered and mm. are digging into because um, as, you know, as a functional medicine practitioner, we look at a timeline. And so we're looking at that person's entire life from before they were born. So what was going on when your mother was carrying you? because that even influences you. Wow. So when we see things happening, we're like, "Mm, okay, seven years old, what happened there? Because that's coinciding with these first symptoms, you know, and then five years later, what happened there? Because there was another big change in physical health, you know, and we look at what happened in the family dynamic? What was going on? What emotionally? What happened? You know, because all of this impacts the physical.
0: That's just brought me onto something actually. Um, uh, something within within uh, the Muslim faith. Is, if we're going for Muslim vibe, there was something that um we talk about a lot is about when the baby is in the mother's womb, the environment that they are in, and obviously the nutrition they they're having, but the environment they're in. Stress, um, mm-hmm. relationship, even where you where you are like if you're going into a really loud uh, place with with lots of noise compared to being in a quiet, serene place will have a trans transformational effect on how the baby is, yeah, and how they grow up as well. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Very, very interesting.
1: Definitely. I mean, there was a, the, a Dutch study um, where they looked at um, babies who were born to mothers who had gone through starvation, you know, they were in famine basically, wow. mm. and the babies were more likely to be obese. Because more it had changed, be... yeah, it changed wow. their
0: genetics. It affects even, so it changes their genetics to actually make them feel like different to food. They would eat more mm. essentially or mm. not hurt. Yeah. Because it, that's very interesting. Anyway, Probably, it's been a pleasure, um, but before we go, um, I do want people to know where to go to find your stuff as well and if they want any advice from nutrition perspective and i highly highly recommend um probably because she's not only a nutritionist but she looks at things from a holistic perspective as well um so first of all is there anything they can go to in terms of website in terms of social media uh, recipes things like that um and in terms of workshops or talks that you actually i know you do loads of talks actually so um can you point us in the right direction and i'll put these on the show notes so people can go to them on the websites and stuff as well
1: yeah i mean the best way to um sort of keep in touch with me or find out what i'm up to is my website and my facebook page which is so flourishwell.co.uk is the website and flourish wellbeing is uh, facebook and also youtube i haven't i don't put as many videos up as i should but i you know I'm getting there, okay. so there will be more. Um, so those are the, the main places that you can you can get hold of me. Um, and, you know, if anyone has any questions, they're more than welcome to drop me a line.
0: Are you doing any talks soon?
1: We, um, yes. So hopefully um, I will be doing one on heart health shortly. Heart health, first. Um, nice. I will put details of that on my Facebook page when I have more. Keep an eye out. Um also um we are planning uh, some workshops on diabetes um so again watch your space on dates and things like that um but my blogs are a good place to pick up information Just, as and well. you do have some recipes on your website as well
0: i know i've tried uh, the date balls i think oh uh, yeah yeah, yeah, so that's a nice dessert if you, yeah. want it, if you want to go for that little snack. Um, so you've got loads of recipes on there. So you've got a couple of pages of, of recipes yeah, on there, so people want to go to that. There's different
1: types. There's some vegan, there's some with fish. There's, you know, fantastic. so different, fantastic. different... different.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's been an yeah. absolute pleasure. I thank you so much for coming down, um, and uh, hopefully we can have maybe a follow-up on this discussion or maybe a, a particular area. Um, I know coconut oil.
1: Uh, is a big one yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know
0: meat or no meat is a big one
1: yeah
0: as well so we can have some more discussions vitamin d is another one Um, maybe go into a bit more detail but thank you so much for coming on the show
1: you're welcome thanks for having me